And this is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, October 12th, 2016. I'm Amy Brown. Our multi-partisan panel of local residents is with us again today. They are Betsy Gerald of the Green Party, Tim Wilson, a former Bernie Sanders supporter who's now supporting Jill Stein, Democrat Ken Gleason, and Libertarian Renee Trust. And we hope that Republican Dave Gulia is somewhere on the road headed toward us now. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Thanks. Hi, Amy. And, uh, and joining us by phone for the first half of the program today is former state legislator and Senator Emily Kane. She is a Democrat challenging incumbent Congressman Bruce Poliquin, in, uh, a Republican, in the second district congressional race here in Maine. Poliquin was also invited to join us, we should note, but he declined and didn't respond to requests to send a campaign aide in his place. Welcome to Maine Currents, Emily Kane. Good afternoon. I'm so glad I could be with you all. I'm joining you today from my office in Lewiston, um, and it's been a great day, a very busy day on the road. Uh, with 27 days left to go, I'm really happy to be able to spend a little bit of time with you today. And we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to do that. Uh, the format that we're going to do, since we have a limited time with you today, and we know a lot of people will have questions for you, is we're going to alternate between one of our panelists here in the studio asking a question. I'm going to be drawing their names out of the watering can randomly so we don't have a particular order. And then we'll take a phone call and we'll go back and forth like that until just a few minutes before 4.30 when we'll give Emily Kane a chance to wrap up and then we'll have a general discussion of the elections in the second half hour of the program. The phone number for the call-in program is 469-0500, locally, again, 469-0500, or toll-free 1-866-625-9378. Again, 1-866-625-9378. Starting with questions from here in the studio, the first name that we drew from the watering can was Betsy Gerald, our Green Party representative, Jill Stein supporter. Uh, she has the first question for Emily Kane. Hi, Emily. How are you doing today? Hi, Betsy. Thanks so much. Sure. I haven't heard you talk much about your energy policy. So, uh, you know, with the pipelines and, you know, leave it in the ground movement and 350 org and everything, could you just give us a few minutes on what you would do in Congress uh, as far as um, future energy policy goes? A absolutely. Um, energy is one of the issues I hear talked about the most as I travel the district and particularly talk with businesses, small and large as well as homeowners, um, especially seniors, who worry about energy costs in the wintertime. Um, from a federal perspective, I do support the, the goals of the Clean Power Plan. Uh, I think Maine has a lot to offer when it comes to energy on the renewable side, whether it's our forest, um, as well as the wind power off the coast. I've done a lot of work as a state legislator to, ex to expand the research around offshore wind to try to advance that technology and bring jobs here in Maine. Same with tidal power as well as solar. Um, I think Maine's economy goes hand in hand with our environment. And when one is strong, the other will be strong as well. And in, in the legislature, I was proud to work on trying to expand access to natural gas um, as we could to try to bring that not only to communities, but to manufacturing facilities. And I think as we move forward, Maine should be a leader on the energy front nationally, particularly because of our ability to capture solar and offshore wind. Thanks, Emily. We have a call now from Meredith in Penobscot. Go ahead, Meredith. What's your question or comment for Emily Kane? Yes, my question for Emily is, um, what does she think of Governor LePage and all this antics this year? <laughs> Thank you, Meredith, for your question. Uh, a, never a dull moment right now in politics in Maine or across the country. Um, you know, I think that what we've seen from Governor LePage this year is not anything really that different than we've seen from him all along. And, you know, one of the things that I'm proud of is when I was a state legislator, that even though he and I disagreed vehemently on a lot of things, we did find a way to set aside those disagreements to work on other things, whether it was balancing budgets, working on very comprehensive uh, reforms to our criminal justice system to focus on breaking the cycle of domestic violence here in Maine, um, and especially uh, also on issues of transparency and ethics in government. So I, I certainly have a different approach than Governor LePage does when it comes to um, 
how I talk about things and my style of leadership, but he is someone that I have found a way to work with uh, because when you're in elected office, your job is to get good things done for those who you represent. And that means you have to focus on the people you represent and the issues that they need to address. Thanks for that response. And I want to just let listeners know that you may get a busy signal when you try to call in. We have uh, one phone line. We have Emily Kane joining us. So that leaves another phone line for people to call in on. Just keep trying if you get a busy signal. We're alternating calls between here in the studio from our multipartisan panel here in the studio and taking calls from listeners. The number is 469 469-0500, 469-0500 or one 625 We'll also take your question, and then we'll be hanging up so the next person can get through. So unfortunately, there won't be time for follow-up questions so that we can get as many questions from listeners as we possibly can. The next name that I just drew out of the watering can here is Tim Wilson, our uh, third-degree burner, Bernie Sanders supporter, who's now a Jill Stein supporter. He has a question for Emily Kane. Hi, Emily. Uh, Hi, Tim. Thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, two weeks ago, there was uh, Elizabeth Warren really drilled uh, Wells Fargo CEO John Stumpf, and she called him gutless, said that the Wells Fargo executives had to be held accountable for setting goals and things that were unethical and forcing their employees to meet cross-selling objectives, the selling of additional accounts to people for for. Um, uh, setting those goals so high that they were doing things or breaking rules uh, in order to meet those objectives. Uh, so what my question is, you know, why don't the Democrats hold their own presidential candidate to the same standard and demand that she resign for her unethical behavior? Well, you know, I, I like to try to bring these issues to as much of a local level in relation to my campaign as possible. And I will say, um, I, I don't know if you got a chance to see but Bernie Sanders when he was here uh, last week, but I was really proud to be able to stand with him at that rally and talk about important issues like going after those bad actors on Wall Street who time and time again are ripping off working families in Maine and across the country to talk about really the scams and the schemes that are facing working families and students around uh, student debt and trying to do what we can to make common sense reforms that allow people to get ahead in our economy. There's no question that, that those on Wall Street are taking actions to benefit themselves and leaving working families behind. But they have helpers. They have key helpers, like Congressman Bruce Poliquin. And I'll bring the Wells Fargo issue to a head here. Congressman Poliquin took $2,000 from Wells Fargo this year, and it wasn't until there was political pressure on him that he agreed to uh, turn that money back after Wells Fargo had scammed those customers. And I think, you know, he is he's trying to play games with it now, trying to somehow act now like he's shocked and shunned and surprised that they were uh, making these bad choices when really you and I both know they were doing it all along. I think these issues are that all candidates need to be held to account for this at all levels when it comes to money and politics um, and certainly think that these issues need to be raised at every level. Um, That's why I'm working so hard to raise them in my own campaign uh, on a daily basis, reminding people across the second district that Bruce Poliquin is one of the top recipients of Wall Street and financial services campaign money in the entire Congress from Maine's second district. More than most members from New York or California or Florida, where a lot of these entities are based. Um, So these are issues that we're talking about up and down the ballot. But I agree that all candidates should be held to account and to answer questions for the contributions they take and the actions they take as well. Thank you, Emily Kane. Back to Penobscot now, and Judy is on the phone. The phone number, if you're listening and would like to call in after Judy, is 469-0500 or 1-866-625-9378. Welcome to Maine Currents. Judy, do you have a question or a comment for Emily Kane? Uh, yes, I do, and I'd like to for her to explain um, her stand on the TPP. Um, a lot of jobs are lost with these trade deals, and the American people are on to it. And I would like to know what she would do about it if she would not go along with uh, any of these trade deals that are harmful. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy, for this question. I want to be very clear, as I have been all along, I've been calling out the Trans-Pacific Partnership as bad for Maine over the past three years. And I did that because by talking to Maine businesses, Maine policymakers, those who knew that these trade deals that are negotiated in secret are always going to mean that those who are not in the room are going to be left behind, especially here in Maine, 
where we've seen five paper mills close in the second district over the past three years. This is something I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm really aggressive about this issue because the people who've lost their jobs across Maine are my friends who worked in the mills in Old Town, who worked in the mills in Lincoln. My friend Roger, who worked more than 20 years at the Lincoln Mill and had to move his family out of state in order to get a job that he could support them. These good jobs, where it's a good job in Maine means you can pay your bills, that you can save for retirement, that you cannot worry if somebody gets sick, and maybe even take a vacation every once in a while. It's not too much to ask. And, and free trade deals that are negotiated in secret by those who are set to benefit from them, like the TPP, are bad for Maine. And this is a real issue of difference in my campaign. Congressman Poliquin, just in the last year or two, was campaigning on how free trade is good. And he wasn't, uh, it was just until a few months ago that he was actually still undecided about where he was going to be on the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And as we've seen him continue to dodge questions this week about things that are important, I think the question is, whose vote is really, um, who's going to get his vote? Is it going to go to the highest bidder on Wall Street, or is it going to be Maine people? And I think the TPP has been bad for Maine from the start. It puts us in a position where we're not playing on a level playing field. And I would put Maine workers against any in the world and Maine businesses against any in the world on a level playing field. But we shouldn't have to compromise our environmental and labor standards in order to have those who are already making money make more. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. I'm your host, Amy Brown. The guests in the studio today are our multi-partisan panel that have been joining me since spring to talk about the upcoming elections. We have Betsy Gerald of the Green Party. Uh, we're hoping to be joined at some point during the program if he's just running late by Republican Dave Goulia. Tim Wilson, a former Bernie Sanders supporter who is now uh, planning to vote Green and Democrat Tim uh, Ken Gleason, as well as Libertarian Renee Trust, are with me as well. The next, we're alternating between calls from listeners and uh, questions from the guests here in the studio and our multi-partisan panel. And the next name that I just drew out of the watering can was Ken Gleason, Hillary Clinton supporter. Go ahead, Ken, with your question for Emily Kane, who is listeners, if you haven't guessed. That's Emily Kane joining us by phone today to answer your questions. Great, Amy. Hi, Emily. Hi, Ken. Thank you for running, by the way. To me, you. Uh, you know, public servants are really servants. And uh, I Thank appreciate you. anybody appreciate anybody who takes it on. Um, to my question, you know, I and many others have been trying to understand the emotions and thought process of the Donald supporters. And with their allegiance to the Republican Party seriously in question of late, I'm wondering how you see them relative to your campaign as uh, potential uh, voters. Ken, this is an important question. Thank you very much. Um, Because, you know, I'll say for myself, I'm working hard across the 2nd District to earn support from Democrats, Republicans, independents. And I'm looking to earn support from those, whether they are voting for Hillary Clinton or either of the, you know, for Jill Stein, for, for any, for Gary Johnson, for and for Donald Trump, I, and I know that I have people who are voting for all of those people, each of those people who are voting for me. Um, I'll give you an example. There's an auto body mechanic up in Millinocket, he in East Millinocket. He has his store right on the main drag. He has a Trump sign in his window, and he has an Emily Kane sign on the side of his building. I asked him. I said, "What do you tell people when they come by and ask you?" What the heck is going on here? How can you vote for Donald Trump and Emily Kane? And he said, my answer is very simple. I tell them that Emily Kane shows up and that while I don't always agree with her, she doesn't give me any BS. She tells me the truth. And that's the kind of support I want to earn from everybody. Because I don't think politics is about whether you agree or disagree. And we certainly have some serious disagreements this year When it comes to not only the policies and positions, not only the role of government, but also about the way you treat people and the kind of language you use and the qualities upon which we judge those who maybe have different opinions than us. I seek to be the kind of person you can use as a role model in those by by talking about facts of people's records as what makes them, um, you know, different or why you should vote for me over somebody else and not the kind of personal attack. 
But I ultimately want to serve in Congress so I can represent everyone in the 2nd District. And that's why I have been doing outreach across the board, because that's the only way we're going to we're going to break down these terrible and divisive political um, chasms that face us. The only way we're going to break those down is if we sit down and figure out what we have in common first. This is a bizarre year for politics. I have had the privilege of serving in public office for a decade in Augusta. I have knocked on thousands of doors of doors, not only in Penobscot County, but across this whole state over the last 12 years. And I know that, well, there are some severe differences, and certainly they're playing out on the national stage in a way that is disgusting. And Maine, there are still a lot of issues that bring us together, like growing our economy, bringing back good jobs. And that's my strict focus right now on this campaign. We have a call from a listener now. John from Bangor, welcome to Maine Currents. Hi. Hi, Emily. Uh, Hi there. My my name's, uh, I mean, my question is, uh, what is an example of successful bipartisan work that you've undertaken? Thank you so much. I missed the first name of the questioner, but thank you so much. That's John. John, thank you so much for for calling in. Um, I'm very proud of the bipartisan work I did as a state legislator for 10 years. Um, In fact, I, I will... I was referenced earlier with the governor, but I'm going to mention those examples again in more detail. Let me first talk about, let me just talk about, actually, I'll just stick to one example. And that's the work the governor and I did, along with colleagues in the legislature, around breaking the cycle of domestic violence in Maine. Maine is a state where there's a very low murder rate, but about 50% of murders in Maine almost every year are the result of domestic violence. That's something we can measure, and it means something we have to stop. Um, and so I worked with the governor, with those who work with victims and work to prevent domestic violence, with those in the court system, over the course of a, a legislative session on reforms that give our judicial branch more options to look at the history of records um, when people are brought in on charges of domestic violence so that they can make the right call when it comes to bail. We made changes in the bail system so that when it's being assessed, we look at the whole history of, of the person um, at, in the middle of it all so that we can take into account whether or not this has happened before. We gave more tools to law enforcement so that when they show up at a scene, they can use an immediate assessment that lets them know and understand in a data-driven way about whether or not this is likely to get lethal. We put more protections in place for victims. And we increased opportunities for better intervention programs in our state. This is a complicated challenge of breaking the cycle of domestic violence. But whether we're tackling domestic violence or the opioid crisis, we need to make sure we're not um, getting drawn into things that seem like simple solutions or just a one-size-fits-all approach. And that same comprehensive, bipartisan, thorough, inclusive approach that I took working with the governor and Republicans and Democrats in Augusta to work to break that cycle of domestic violence is the kind of approach we need to take. We need to take across the board. Again, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. We have our multi-partisan uh, panel here asking questions uh, of our guest who's joining us by phone, Emily Kane, who is running for uh, U.S. Congress in the 2nd District against Bruce Poliquin. And I mentioned at the top of the hour, but it bears repeating that uh, Bruce Poliquin was asked to join us or to send a representative. They declined uh, the invitation. We're taking phone calls for the next 5 or 10 minutes and alternating with questions from here in the studio. The number is 469-0500. Again, 469-0500 or toll-free 866 6259378 and uh, last but not least of our panelists here in the studio is libertarian Renee Trust with her question for Emily Kane. Hi Emily. Hi Renee. Uh, I am a recent libertarian, however I'm republican leaning, so I'm actually a Bruce Poliquin supporter. Uh-huh. Um and I was wondering, uh, outside the legislature, what jobs have you had here in Maine? And I actually don't know you very well, so I'm wondering how long you've lived in Maine and where you grew up. Sure, of course. I'm happy to share more about my personal story because it really relates so much to so many of the families I meet across Maine. My dad sells shoes. He's been in the shoe business since he was 14 years old when he started working in the back room of a shoe store. My mom is a sign language interpreter and a teacher. 
And as my family dealt with the ups and downs of the economy, that meant we had to move several times when I was a kid. I'm the oldest of three sisters, which I like to joke was great practice for politics because that's where you can learn things like negotiation, how to pick your battles, and most of all, strategic alliances. What I did was watch my parents work hard. Um, They worked hard even when it meant changing jobs or moving. I've lived in Maine for more than half my life. My family moved here as I finished high school. Um, I've had family in Maine my entire life. A lot of people don't know that. I've had family in the Bangor area my entire life. Maine has always been a part of my family's story. What's important in my story, though, is that after I graduated from the University of Maine, I had a choice. I could stay in Maine or I could go someplace else. But to me, there was no choice. I wanted to be in Maine because this is the state that I consider home. This is the state that when my family moved here, there was a good job for my dad and a good job for my mom, good schools for my sisters and for me. I'm proud that most of my family still lives in Maine, um, and we are here to stay. Uh, this is I met my husband, who's from Bangor. His name is Danny Williams. He works at the Collins Center for the Arts in Orono, and we've been married for 12 years. I've worked full-time, part-time, and multiple jobs at the same time. I've always had a job since I was old enough to work, whether it was after school and on the weekends, working at a family business through high school, whether it was in the summers, in between college, working on the coast, making money in Maine. And during college, I worked every year. Um, I worked during the school year as well as in the summertime before graduating. And then I worked at the University of Maine for over a decade where I worked with students. Um, I worked with students on making sure they were ready for post-graduation life to get a good job, to get ahead. The kind of jobs we want to have here in Maine and the kind of students we want to keep here after they graduate. That's what led me to run for public office 12 years ago. I'm proud of my family's story, and it it resonates when I talk to people around the state whose families have also had to make tough choices time and time again. We have time for one last question here from the studio, and then we're going to, uh, after you've answered that question, Emily, I know you need to leave at 4.30, so... Uh, if you want to take time to wrap up. And also, if there's a place you can direct people, if they have more questions for you, where they can get more information. So uh, the name that we drew out, because I seem to just be doing this in order again, is (laughs) Betsy Gerald. So starting back where we started at the beginning. We just are going around the table here. So Emily, we've been talking about the referendums. And I I know Mm -hmm. that this isn't a quick answer question, but maybe you could just run down through the five referendums and tell us what your public stance are on them, please. Yes, of course. Um, The referendum question. So I am voting, uh, I'll give you a quick quick take on it, uh, voting no on question one, and I'm voting yes on the rest. The very quick answer for me is when it comes to number one, my very strict focus right now is on dealing with substance abuse from an opioid perspective, and I'm not prepared to support number one just yet. Um, question two, uh, I believe we need to focus more on funding education. I think this is one way and one piece of that puzzle. Question three, I support the Second Amendment. I've worked with gun owners for years in Augusta and sportsmen as well on access to hunting as well as protecting gun owners' rights to not only own and keep guns but keep their privacy safe as well. I believe background checks are a tool to make sure we can prevent guns from getting in the hands of dangerous criminals, domestic abusers, and those with serious mental illness. On the minimum wage, I support raising the minimum wage I've been a part of that uh, in Augusta the last time it was raised. I believe if you work full-time and play by the rules, you shouldn't live in poverty. This is one way to address that. And question five is really about, this one wasn't sure for a while how I was going to vote on it, but ultimately I've decided it's a way to give people more voice and more ownership of the results in elections, and so I'll be supporting that one as well. Um, And I think this is about looking at priorities, and I have to admit I've been frustrated that my opponent with the exception of question three about guns, won't say where he stands on these issues. And to me, that just sends a signal that issues like education, issues like raising wages, um, are just really not important to him. And so I think that's a shame, and we need to continue to ask those questions. Emily, I know I said I was going to ask you to wrap up after you answer Betsy's question. We've got one more caller. Do you have time to answer one more quick question? Oh, sure. Wrap I can up? ask her one more caller. Sure. Okay, that'd be great. Joe from yeah. Orland, welcome to the program. Hi, Joe. Uh, hi, Emily. Uh, my name's Joe. Oh, um, no, sorry. I'm, yes. Um, 
I'm in the guard, and I had a question about um, our veterans. So our veterans deserve our support. What issues do you think need to be focused on to help our veterans here in Maine? Thank you, Joe, and thank you so much for your service in the guard. And I talk with veterans of all ages all of the time. Had the chance to tour the veterans' homes in a couple of the counties in Maine. Talk with veterans from World War II and veterans from Vietnam. My grandfathers both served in World War II. My uncle in Vietnam, and I have cousins who served in Iraq and in Afghanistan. Veterans' issues are personal to me for my family, and also personal to us here in Maine, as we're a state with one of the highest percentages of veterans in the country. And for me, this is about doing not just one thing, but many things for veterans. It means fully funding the VA budget, something that this Congress has failed to do. It means focusing on veterans' health care, so veterans can get the health care they need and have it be accessible to them. We still have too many veterans in Maine who have to wait months and months and months for the appointments that they need. It means working with veterans on mental health issues. We have a lot of veterans who are ready to work and thrive in our communities who need a little help. And right now, the help is hard to get, and there's a lot of stigma associated with it that we need to break down. And I also meet with a lot of younger veterans and businesses who want to connect. Veterans who come back from the military with incredible skills that we should be ready to put to work in our community as leaders and as people can work those good jobs. So for me, this veterans issue is about veterans of all ages and making sure Maine is a place where veterans not only always feel, feel respected and feel thanked, but also feel welcome and can thrive here at any age. Joe, thanks again for your service, and thank you very much for your question. All right. Well, that's it for callers. Do you want to take a few minutes to wrap up, Emily Kane, and give contact information? Yes, absolutely. Let me start with the contact information. The very um, best place to check out my campaign is online at emilycane.com, and that's Emily dot com. You can also join us on Facebook at Emily Kane for Congress on Facebook. Um, you are welcome to also um, send us mail, of course. Our P.O. box is right on the website. All of our contact information is on our website. Happy to have people call us at 613-5297, 613-5297. You can also email us. The best email that gets checked every single day for general questions is info at emilycane.com. That's a really easy way to connect. We're also on Twitter. Uh, the handle is my full name, at Emily Ann Kane. That's Emily A-N-N-C-A-I-N. And we're also on Instagram at Kane, at Kane for Congress. So please find us in all of those places. Uh, we check those accounts all the time and would love the chance to connect with any of you there. And in closing, I'll say this. With 27 days left in this election, this is the time when we need more people to engage. I've been working hard over the past year and a half to earn the votes of people across the 11 counties of the 2nd District. And I'm proud of the fact that I'm running on a record that's a decade of public service in the Maine legislature that has been based on growing the economy in Maine in good ways, making it stronger for working families. And that I've done that in a way you can be proud of by working across the aisle, even with people who I vehemently disagree with sometimes. That's the kind of leadership Maine is known for on both sides of the aisle, has been for a long time. But things right now in Congress are tough. Right now we have a Congress that's full of people who are looking out for themselves and the people who fund them. I would argue that our Congressman right now, Bruce Poliquin, is one of those people causing that problem. And if you don't like what's happening in Congress, you have to change who you send there. So I would close by saying I ask for your vote. I ask for your vote in 27 days because I want to build an economy with you, an economy that Maine can be in charge of, that's based on supporting small businesses and medium-sized businesses that we can grow and sustain through ups and downs in the economy. That my success, when I think about building an economy where we can add jobs, that we're talking about those good jobs, those good jobs that give you peace of mind because you can pay your bills, you can support your family, you can buy a house and a car. That's the kind of middle class I want to build across the state of Maine. So I ask for your vote, and I ask for your help. If you like what you heard today, if you want to get involved in our campaign, use that contact information to get in touch with us. We'd love to get you more involved and love to have your help to make sure that on November 8th we can win and then we can get to work, not only on improving Congress, but making sure 
We're building the economy with good jobs right here in Maine. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us today. That was Emily Kane. She is a candidate, for the Democratic candidate for 2nd District uh, U.S. Congress, and we appreciate her time. And as we mentioned earlier, Bruce Poliquin was invited to join us as well and declined the invitation. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. I'm Amy Brown. Joining me in the studio, we have Renee Trust, who is a libertarian, a Republican-leaning libertarian, uh, Ken Gleason, who is a Democrat who supports Hillary Clinton, Tim Wilson, who is a third-degree burner, Bernie Sanders supporter, who is now supporting Jill Stein, and from the Green Party, Betsy Gerald, who supports Jill Stein. Uh, I guess our, our our Trump supporter, Dave Gulia is not going to be with us today. We're hoping he'll be with us again next time. We've been meeting since March with this multipartisan crew talking about the elections. In the second half hour, we don't have anything structured. We're inviting you to call in about anything you want to talk about about the elections. I imagine we'll want to weigh in on the debates, uh, the most recent debates, and also uh, the videotape that was just uh, released from 2005 of Donald Trump and anything else that you'd like to talk about. Please do not quote Donald Trump on the radio. With WikiLeaks. A, WikiLeaks, yes. <laughs> also, uh, we uh, have the uh, the recent information that was released about uh, Hillary Clinton's speeches, the information that came out confirmed what a lot of people suspected would be in those. Anything you want to talk about, the number is 469-0500. I'm going to start with a go around the table, though. We usually do this at the beginning, but because we only had uh, Emily came with us for half an hour, we left it for now and just have each of our multi-partisan panelists check in, starting on the other side of the table now with Renee Trust. Hi, I'm Renee Trust from Franklin. Um, I started out as a Republican, but I became a registered libertarian because, very simply, I want to live free. My my ideology is freedom. I believe our government is too big, too powerful, and has too much authority over our lives. We have to remember our elected officials, officials are there to serve us, and we aren't there to serve them. It is incumbent on them to be good stewards of our tax dollars at all times. It's incumbent on us to hold their feet to the fire. To simplify, it boils down to this. Do you want the ability to earn and keep your own money and be the one who decides how it's spent? Would you prefer to be independent or rather dependent on your government? Do you want your government to raise your children or do you want to raise them yourselves? It's out of control. Last Saturday, I attended a town hall meeting with Bill Weld and came away very impressed with his intelligently conveyed common sense approach to governing. In stark contrast, I watched the televised town hall Sunday evening and was struck by the noticeable absence of intelligent conversation on the issues. Libertarian principles have the solutions which are lacking in the two major parties. Libertarians are serious about wanting smaller government. The Republicans are not. I changed my designation to help the Libertarian Party and to carry a message. The message is this. People can decide that they've had enough tyranny. They, can't see, <clears throat> they can see the shape of the future that is being created for them, and they can toughen their refusal. They can push away from the table loaded with goodies and freebies, feeling sick, feeling patronized. They can turn off the talking heads preaching official messages. They can discover further ways their freedom is being stolen from them, and they can rebel more deeply. Thanks, Renee. We're going to, you're next up on deck, Ken, but first we want to take a call from Peter in Bangor. Welcome to Maine Currents, Peter. Well, thank you, Amy. Uh, just want to say thank you for having what you do with the forum. It's so great. I don't have much to say because I have to my daughter in the hospital, so she's doing okay, but Good. thank you, and I, I really appreciate what Emily said. I really support her very much. Right. So, thank, thanks yeah. for your call, Peter. Thanks, thanks Amy. Okay. Bye now. Bye. And again, the phone number is 469-0500. If you have anything about the upcoming elections you'd like to talk about, it's main Currents. We're on until 5 o'clock. We'll take calls until probably a few minutes before 5, so 469-0500. Where are things at with you, Hillary Clinton supporter Ken Gleason? Anything changed? You're still supporting Hillary Clinton? Definitely still supporting Hillary. Um, I, did I, you see the debates? I did see the debates, yeah. I thought she held up pretty well under the circumstances. Um, and 
I don't know. I'm I'm still uh, I'm still overwhelmed as I learn more and more about the organized. Uh, well, this one person calls it Lies Incorporated. All the groups that are heavily funded by big corporations, little corporations, whatever, to put their point of view across, which is understandable, but they also seem to do it in ways that distort the truth. I mean, the idea of finding truth is uh, most people have given up on it, and uh, that just bothers me a great deal. There's so much spin. You know, one little statistics, there are 20 times as many lobbyists, registered lobbyists, as there are uh, legislators in Washington. 20 times as many. And apparently there's a lot of uh, lobbyists that don't register because there's no teeth in the law to make sure they do. And uh, I guess I'm just sharing a, just, it's just very troubling to me. I mean, we we think we're making intelligence decisions, but what what information, I mean, what? how do you know what to believe in this day and age? And uh, Some are and calling it, it a post-truth age. I've heard that. Uh, yep, yeah, that phrase. Truthiness. Truthiness. And, <laughs> Lack of and truthiness. I, I think the success of, uh, I don't know if he's still a Republican candidate or not, but the, the Donald campaign, he, it doesn't really matter what, I mean, he, you know, he can say whatever he wants and, and, and People, uh, his supporters, anyhow, stick with him. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of thought process involved or, or a concern. There's a lot of frustration that he's he's obviously uh, touching that with people, and uh, it's. I, I wish he could be more constructive in dealing with it, uh, but it, it just seems to be pouring fuel on the fire rather than. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think everybody w- would like to have some radical change in our national government. Um, but how do we do it? And uh, Not by voting for the same thing. All right, you're up next. Well, let me Sorry. just, I just want to say, let me, let me end with, uh, I got here, you know, I've been an independent for decades, and I signed up on the Democratic team because to me this is the, Demo- the, the progressive team. And, you know, I was very much in favor of Bernie, and I'm trusting him. He, he put, you know, he, he, is, he is supporting Hillary. He made a huge impact on the platform. And I really do see that within the Democratic Party, this is the field for some radical change. And I just think we should all, uh, all be pushing for it. Betsy Gerald, Green Party. I'm yeah, guessing hi, you I'm don't Betsy, agree with yeah. that. Well, I'm Betsy Gerald. I'm a uh, former state Green Party chair. I am currently the New England Regional Ground Campaign Coordinator for the Stein Baraka campaign. And I just have to quote uh, one of my local candidates um, who's not a Green. He's a, a Democrat, Paige Ziegler, who's running in District 96, who says that government is not the problem. Government is not the solution. Government is a tool, and we need to use the tool to the best advantage. And the way to do that is to have people be more active in the process. And I also have to quote Dr. Stein, who says that it's impossible to have a revolution inside a counter-revolutionary party. So I think that trying to many, many, many great people, Dennis Kucinich, Jesse Jackson, lots of great people have tried to reform the Democratic Party, and it just doesn't work. So if we really want, and and a lot of people say we need a third party, this is the year that you can actually support a third party and make that happen so that the Green Party will be a recognized um, major party by the uh, Federal Elections Commission. Um, and and if you really want a revolution, if you really want things to change, then you need to stop voting for the same thing over and over and over again. All right. We're going to hear next here, from here. Tim Wilson. <laughs> uh, again, the phone number is 469-0500. Listeners, if you'd like to join the conversation. And I'd love to hear from listeners if you are feeling like you were going to go for a third-party candidate, but now you're feeling like you are too afraid that the candidate that you 
don't want to win, if you're more uh, considering yourself to be voting against the lesser of two evils because you're afraid of who might win if you vote for who you really want to win, if you're in that predicament, call and let us know what you're going to do about it. 469-0500. Tim Wilson, you are not listening to your third degree burner, which you've explained. You can explain again what that means. But you're not listening to what Bernie Sanders is saying as far as how you should vote. Um, that's true. Uh, it's Tim Wilson, Belfast, Maine, and uh, I am—I don't agree with Bernie. I agree with more with Chris Hedges and Cornell West and and Dr. Stein that the only way to get something different is to vote for something different. That money and people are the what equals power in politics, and we don't have a lot of money. A lot of us. But until people start to move and start to organize outside of the two major parties, there will not be real change. As long as they can scare you to stay into the box, inside the box, it's, the box will stay the same. Um, I would quote Will Rogers that, uh, uh, you know, he says, I'm not a member of any organized political organization. He goes, I'm a Democrat. <laughs> so, I mean, the Democratic Party has been what it is for, for decades um, people still think of it as the FDR or President Johnson kind of de- Democratic Party, uh, but it has changed dramatically uh, under under Clinton. I mean, we had NAFTA, we had welfare reform. Uh, we have uh, you know a candidate now who uh, people can't name a conflict she's opposed. Um, she's advocated for war uh, on an ongoing basis, um, and uh, the. The Democrats are just, uh, you know, continuing to say you have to vote against, you know, it's, it's become a race between the Trump and the non-Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't really stand, you know, she's not really standing for anything in terms of meaningful change in the way government is used. I also agree with Betsy that, that uh, and, and with Ken, that I've been an independent most of my life, all of my life. Um, I've been a registered Democrat only once, and that was to vote for Bernie in the primary. And Ken would be a first-degree burner, which is a burner who has gone with Bernie. Well, Renee here has quite an independent streak, too. Yes. Well, yes. I think everybody here we has kind of considered themselves <laughs> and, sort of independent in one think, way or another. And I think we all agree that, that money in politics is a huge problem, that lobbying, that, the amount, that, that we have a system now that extracts money from taxpayers and then use, it gets funneled back into corporations through subsidies, through military-industrial complex, and so on, that is, then uses it to buy lobbyists who then go around yeah. and influence law. You know, what uh, Bernie said was nothing comes to our legislature, nothing goes to the, the floor of Congress without corporate approval. So I'll step away here for the All caller. Right. Yeah, we're going to stop and uh, take a call from the analog anarchist in Dover Foxcroft. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Uh, let's talk about the repeal of the Natural Gas Act of 1938. Okay, yeah. That's we the all federal law. <laughs> I believe it's paragraph H. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> because uh, that's what gives these private pipeline companies the power of eminent domain for easements. All they have to do is go before a federal agency and get this lie to get this piece of paper that's a certificate of public good or public need, I forget what it is. And by that, they have more power than the federals even to to come on your land. They don't want to buy it. They don't want to pay for it. They just want easement. And if we took paragraph H, I think it's paragraph H, out of that, States and counties and persons have been fighting this all the way to the Supreme Court ever since 1938. It's unjust, and the Supreme Court won't touch it. So what about repealing that section? Thank you. And do you think that with – do you think that there – either party or independent is going to make it have any influence? I mean, you bring up Supreme Court, there are potentially four Supreme Court justices that may be replaced by the next president, given the age of a lot of them. Uh, Analog anarchists, are you still on the line? Well, the people have been have been up in arms against this unjust law, the unconstitutional law, since 1938, and it still stood. Republican, Democrat, we change, we change, and that law stays in there. And Clinton and it is not just. probably no. support it too. Is what you're saying? All right. Thank you. I, uh, thank you. We have a couple of the um, panelists here in the studio want to weigh in on that, Betsy. Well, I just I like your optimism that people have been up in arms because I just had a fascinating conversation with a young woman the other day, a really politically savvy young woman who would not believe me that there was such a thing as eminent domain. She never heard of it. She didn't know what it was. And so I think that the ability of the, the uh oligarchs to keep people in the dark about things like that is is pretty pretty amazing. Tim, did you want to weigh into before I we did quickly uh, that there's a lot of 
uh, attention to Standing Rock and the uh, and the protectors standing against the pipeline there. But there are 15 farmers in Iowa that are suing uh, right now to block this pipeline because their farmland was seized by eminent domain. That they want to trench through it, bury a pipeline through their land, and they're saying we don't give you, we haven't given you permission. We don't want to do this. This isn't any great benefit to Iowa. This is not, you know, a subject where the state can take our land and our property rights. Uh, but but it's happening, so that's... Yay, farmers. Go farmers. <laughs> All right, we have Nemo from Stuben on the line. Go ahead, Nemo. Hi. Uh, first of all, I thought it was called edible domain. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be consumed all over the place. The restaurant industry. Uh, next, uh, I'd love to vote for Jill Stein, but I saw what a minority candidate uh, did here in Maine. All the people with great intentions who voted for their candidate gave us Governor LePage because they voted for Elliot Cutler. And I don't want I don't want Donald Trump to be president because we all voted for our hearts. We have to vote with our heads too. We don't like fear mongering on this show. <laughs> that that was that's an a trust. <laughs> oh, and I have just one comment about uh, Donald Trump, if I may. He's getting a bad rap. Uh, this business about him groping women. He wasn't groping them. He was checking for breast lumps. He's concerned about breast cancer. Uh, based on the clip, he might have been checking the wrong place, but we're not going to get into that in detail on the radio. As a former nurse midwife, I can affirm that that would be the wrong area. Thanks for your call, Nemo. Again, the phone number is 469-0500 if you'd like to join us on Main Currents. Ken, you look like you wanted to say something, and Renee, you haven't waited in a while. So, again, call us 469-0500, join the discussion, any direction you want to take it. We've got about another 10 minutes left. All right. Well, I want to get back to uh, major change in the country. Uh, it's something that's very important to me uh, and progressive change. I mean, I, and I, I just want to say again, I mean, I think what Bernie accomplished was huge. He, he took a stand in this direction of making, you know, fundamental changes. He's, he, he didn't mince words. And he, he got a movement, a huge movement going. And he knew what he was doing. And I, you know, I think to uh, dogmatically say the Republican, the Democratic Party, either party's been around for so long, they're not going to change. I, I don't buy that. I really think there's change going on in that party, and and I think you got to get elected to make change. And I think uh, that's one of the downsides. I mean, I I love the principles of the Green Party and the Libertarian Party. I'd, I'd love to have a three-party system. I'd love to have more of their principles, you know, become mainstream. But I think it's, it would be th much more likely to happen in my lifetime through reform of the Democratic Party, which is well underway thanks to Bernie. And I give Renee Trust an opportunity to weigh in before we take another call. Yeah, I think it's fair to point out that um, the narrative that's out there is designed to divide us all. And I have to uh, really appreciate that right here in this room where I think I'm the only conservative in this room, um, we find lots of areas of agreement rather than disagreement. And, and so, when Dave Goulia, the Trump supporters here, too, people have That's true. And, and that proves to me that we could all be on the same team. And I really think that what government is these days, it's us against them. And they don't want us to remember that. So, um, you know. Okay. Let's, take, let's yeah. take the phone call. Uh, Michael from Swanville, welcome to Maine Currents. Oh, yes, thank you. Here, uh, here to your last comment there about uh, that we really do all have more in common and, and that these, politi these politics are definitely meant to divide us up, you know, definitely meant to play us against each other so that we don't realize our united power together on all the most common issues that are the ones that really concern our lives. Um, you know, I also, I just want to say, though, the whole, the whole voting for the lesser of two evil things, you know, I say whatever. If Donald Trump becomes president, fine. It's like, okay, we already have this ridiculous governor, so what if we end up having a ridiculous president, too? It's, it's a true reflection of where things are at. And I think it's like, it's like are we bargaining? Well, like, one choice is the death of a thousand cuts, and the other one is getting your head chopped off. Is it really preferable to die of a thousand cuts? 
All right. Thank, thanks for your call, Michael. We have time for one or two more calls at 469-0500. Again, 469-0500 here on Main Currents. Uh, Betsy Gerald, you brought up WikiLeaks, something that sort of slid in under the cover of uh, Donald Trump's latest debacle was the WikiLeaks release uh, that included Hillary Clinton's speeches. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Well, I just want to talk about how how well timed the release of Donald Trump's debacle was. Oh yes. Yeah. It was <laughs> I just I mean I As I've said before, being the total political geek that I am, I really am stand in awe of the political theater that happens and and I think that the you know the WikiLeaks were if people were paying attention, would be very damaging to the Clinton Fill campaign. Fill people in because a lot of people don't know sure. what was in that. Let me let me see if I can remember everything that was in them. Um, let's see. We know that Donna Brazile, who's now the head of the DNC, was um, leaking things from the Sanders campaign to the Clinton campaign. We know that um, in um, Secretary Clinton's speeches, she was talking about. Um, Supporting the banks. Do you do you remember more? There was I, I'm sorry. About I don't having public positions versus private positions. Right. Yes, issues. that was another thing that she said that you know in politics you have to have the things you really believe and the things that you say in public essentially. Um, and she uh, was I, quoting uh, Abraham Lincoln. Well, that's what she says. And that was the, the fact check backs that up. Okay, not the fact check I saw. Well, it's okay. facttech.com. I don't know if that matters to you. It doesn't seem to matter to most people. Well, she's quoting him in that she's saying that she believes it, though. So that's the difference from saying uh, Abraham Lincoln said well, this. Well, it was taken out of context, like so many things are, to make a point. Okay, um... So anyhow, so, so there was there were several things in the WikiLeaks um, email leak that would have been damaging to um, Secretary Clinton had they not been totally overshadowed by this eleven-year-old tape of Donald being what we all know he really is. He's a pig. I'm sorry. Right, and really, I mean, who cares? I mean, there are worse things I've heard about. I, how can something like this, um, over a decade-old recording on a hot mic, overshadow national security and other things? I'll tell you Can't one way. Uh, you know, these national leaders are in a position of setting an example. And they're already seeing statistics. Like of, Clinton? They're already seeing statistics of bullying in schools coming up. I'll bet you we're going to see statistics of of women being uh, assaulted one way or another going up. Uh, I mean, it, that's that's. Well, we certainly saw a rise in lying after Bill Clinton's. Um, <laughs> well, let's uh, let's take another call. Uh, Sam from I think it said um, Garland. Welcome to the program, Sam. Bahaba. Bahaba. Oh, I. <clears throat> I don't he know writes how. like I do. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, welcome to yeah, Main yeah, Currents. Yeah. Right, you probably heard of Bahaba, right? Bahaba, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, you shouldn't be calling our next president a pig. I mean, geez, after after Bill Clinton, I mean, he's kind of mild. And uh, you know, Hillary there, her buddy J J C there, her buddy the rapper. Uh, maybe you ought to read the lyrics to his rap in there and uh, <laughs> all that twerking going on there. And, and that's her buddy. So what's the, you know what's the difference? A double standard here. She's getting away. She's getting a free pass about everything. Yep. And I guess that's about all I got to say. It's pretty pitiful. Well, I, I just, Thanks, this is Sam. Betsy, and I was the one that called Mr. Trump a pig, and I probably shouldn't have. But also, I think, that, I think that, that Hillary Clinton was a total enabler of everything that her husband did, and I have no respect for that either. Yeah. Yeah, when I see Danby's cartoon in the paper, they, I, that's the first thing I thought of was Bill, and she said, give me three feet. All right. Sorry, did you go ahead, Sam? Were you okay? All right, Sam, we're done with Sam. We only have a couple minutes left. Do people want to uh, do another go around with any final thoughts that you have? And then I'm going to take a couple minutes at the end to let listeners know about our upcoming programs about the election. So just maybe a brief 30 seconds last thought. Yeah, um, this is Renee Trust. This is Renee. Um, last thought is vote no on all the citizens' initiatives. I mean, that is the job of our legislators. None of these are well written. None of them are well thought out. I um, 
you know, I, I don't think that uh, any of them are good for Maine, and particularly number three. Please vote no on number three. It might sound good, but it isn't. All right. Ken Gleason, quick last thought. Um, I, uh, I'm on behind Emily's position on the uh, referendum items. They uh, made sense to me. She said no on one and yes on the rest, I Correct. believe. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tim Wilson, any last well, thoughts? If we're doing uh, referendums, I, I would go. Or uh, whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with uh, Emily's position as well for different reasons. So no and yes uh, on everything else. Although on one, I am still working on that. And yes on the others, you're saying? And yes on all the others, especially number five, because uh, ranked choice voting opens the political process. It's vitally important to have a free people expressing themselves freely and to have a governor that's empowered by a majority decision. Um, and so I am very adamantly for number five. All right, and Betsy Gerald. Yeah, and I and I truly believe in the referendum process. I think that it that it's a, that it's a way to have true direct democracy. And so I, um, I am torn on one, but I'll be voting yes for all the other referendums. All right. Not sure how that check-in turned into being about the referendums, but that's that's uh, as good a place to end as any, Renee. Because they're really, really important. All right. And we have covered some of these on past programs. You can go to our archives at weru.org and click on um, public affairs archives and then on main currents. And this multi-partisan panel that's been meeting since March or so has covered some of them. But I want to let listeners know about some of our upcoming opportunities to uh, call in and, and listen about different political topics topics uh, leading up to the elections. Uh, the next one will be Thursday, October 20th, at the Soapbox, which is an open mic style call-in show. It's 10 to 11 on Thursday morning, October 20th, and you can call in and take a couple minutes to talk about whatever you want. So you can support a candidate or a position. It's not an interview show, but everyone gets a few minutes and longer than a few minutes if there's no one waiting behind you. Friday, the following day, October 21st at 10 o'clock, the Democracy Forum, which is hosted by Ann Luther of the League of Women Voters Down East and put together by a production crew from that group, will be talking about ballot questions in Maine, and her guests will be Amy Freed, of the, a professor of political science at UMaine, and Gil Goldthwaite, a columnist, retired nurse, and former independent state senator. They'll have the phone lines open during the second half of that program on Friday the 21st at 10. Wednesday, October 26th, we'll all be meeting again, and we're going to be talking about question three, which is the background checks on firearm sales, and other people would summarize it in other ways, but we'll have a supporter on during one of the half hours and an opponent on during the other half hour. We'll have the listener lines open, and we'll probably format it similar to what we did today with questions from our folks here in the studio and alternating with questions from callers. So that's Wednesday, October 26th, and two weeks from now. The following week on Main Currents, uh, November 2nd, we'll have our final discussion with this crew prior to the elections. It'll be more probably of a general discussion, again, inviting listeners to call in. On Thursday, October, or excuse me, November 3rd at 10 a.m., we'll be doing a special local and statewide elections call in. We're going to be trying to recruit as many local candidates to call in as possible, their supporters, their campaigns, and uh, opening the phone lines to anyone who wants to talk about any of the ballot questions or any of the candidates in the local and statewide election races. That's Thursday, November 3rd at 10. We'll be posting this on our website and on our Facebook page as well. And then election night, we'll be doing special coverage here on WERU starting at about 8 o'clock with Democracy Now!'s coverage going up until midnight. I think the last presidential election or maybe the one before, they actually went past midnight and we stayed with them. Uh, I'll be here with Meredith DeFrancesco doing local updates, uh, probably at the top of the hour if the format's the same as it has been in past elections. And then the following morning, Wednesday, the day after the elections from 10 to um, no, from 4 to 5, you'll probably have some things you'll want to say, so we'll be talking about that on Main Currents, doing another call-in show with your reaction to the election. So hope to hear from you on any or all of those. You've been listening to Main Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm your host, Amy Brown. My guests today were Betsy Gerald, Tim Wilson, uh, Ken Gleason, and Renee Trust, and we hope that we'll have Dave Guglia, our uh, Trump 
supporter that's usually on the panel back next time. Uh, we thank Democratic candidate for Congress, Emily Kane, who was on with us during the first half hour. John Greenman engineered today's program. You can catch us every Wednesday at 4. And stay tuned now for Democracy Now! coming up next, followed by Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg here on Community Radio WERU-FM. Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported, nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. Let's take a quick look at the National Weather Service forecast for the greater Bangor, Midcoast, and Downeast regions. Tonight, mostly cloudy, some areas of fog after midnight. Overnight lows 42, winds will be out of the south at 5%.